0: 20 thank you for standing for the reading of God's word sister Johnson Nehemiah chapter 2 and 20. Ezra, Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter two, verse twenty. Hear the rustle of pages. If you haven't figured it out by now, we're going to go a little slow this morning. So I ask that you follow along. We'll get somewhere, I think. Nehemiah chapter two and twenty reads. Then answered I them, and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem." So I'm, I'm going to ask the man of God to pray over the word this morning. Um, I didn't really have a title, but what the Lord made stick out to me in this passage, this, this scripture that we just read, was arise and build, arise and build. And we are going to talk about that this morning um, a little bit. And we are going to focus in particular, I believe, on Nehemiah. So Bishop, if you don't mind, if you could pray over the word. In the name of Jesus, Lord, your presence is manifest in this place. We can feel you moving in our midst. Lord, I'm asking the word that you have given your female servant. I'm asking, oh God, that it go forth in liberty, power, demonstration, and manifestation. God, I'm asking that this word will fall on good ground. Let it produce what you purpose in this place today. Lord God, I bind any distractions of the mind, whether it's demonic or human. And I'm asking, oh God, on your command, allow your spirit to lead your angels to minister in this place. We give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together as you are being seated? Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Let's pray again, church. We need the Lord to speak to the bishop. (laughs) This past Friday, we went out of town. Um, We, you know, the church, Bishop had asked the church to pray um, and about a place that he would be going. And... uh, You know, that the Lord would use him, of course, that God's will would be done. Mr. Massey had the church pray. You did not know where he was going um, to minister the word. And it was a door that the Lord opened. Um, And it was the will of God for Bishop to go and to minister. Um, Bishop um, ministered that night. Um, The Masseys were there, and forgive me. I'm so nervous, I completely forgot to honor. So, real quick, I want to give honor to you, church family, to the church staff, the church ministry team. I love and appreciate every single one of you. The pastoral staff, I give you honor this morning. The intercessors, handmaiden Kristen, her team, Pastor Jeremy, assistant to the pastor, I give you honor this morning. Pastor Guerrero, I give you honor, sir. Give you and your family honor. I love y'all. Give honor to the Masseys this morning. Reverend Massey, love you, sir. I appreciate you. Sister Massey, the prophetess, love you. Appreciate you, your daughter. Give honor to my bishop this morning. I appreciate you, bishop. I love you behind you. Give honor to the first lady. I love her. We love her. We are thankful for her walk with the Lord. Give honor to my parents for raising my sister and I the way that they have. We would not be who we are without them. Thank you for standing for that. And, again, I apologize. that out of order. It's just going to be a mess. But, yes, the Massey's uh, accompanied, um, Bishop and First Lady, they went out of town. And I won't go into details. That's not my place. I'm going to keep things very general. But I will say that Bishop delivered a masterpiece Friday night. It was excellent. You, church, would have been so proud Of your man of God, and what they did not know, he ministered without any notes. Before we went in, you know, he was like, "Oh, you know, I got my Bible or whatever." He's like, "I don't have any, you know, notes," and I was like thinking, like, "Oh." You know, send me your notes, Bishop. I'll, you know, make sure you get it on your, your cheap iPhone so you can pull it up. And he said, no, everything's in here. The Lord had given it to him. And it was amazing to see how God used him to minister to that pastor their family to that church body. But the Lord did not just use Bishop to speak to that church and the purpose of being down there and the dedication of their church. I believe they they just moved into this building. So they're growing. But... The Lord used Bishop to speak to the other pastors that were there. God used him, but God spoke through him. So God was talking to the other ministry that happened to be there to support this pastor in the dedication of their church building. Now, when we uh, walked in, Bishop was greeted immediately by some that were instrumental in trying to destroy him. And... As a daughter, that when I had found out about what had happened, I was so angry and so stunned, I I had no words. And it's the wisdom of God to allow separation so you don't do things and say things that you will later regret. So, a lot of time has passed since... That situation. But I knew there was a possibility that there's going to be some people there. And sure enough, we walked in, and immediately, Bishop's greeted by some of these individuals. And Bishop handled himself amazingly. He was sincere in greeting them, very humble, very respectful. Now, there is a definite understanding that nothing like that will ever happen again. If something like that is tried again, they're going to be put in their place. Bishop will not hold back. But they know better they're they're at least not to his face they're not going to try anything but i had to sit there and i had to watch him hug hug their necks and and think like you don't really mean what you're saying now that that could have been my flesh But during the course of the service, I could see the reaction when Bishop began to minister. And God used our bishop. And it's to the point, you know when something's so good, even if you don't like it, you have to admit it's good. And doesn't it make you even matter? It's like, oh, my God. They don't like him. There's still things floating out there and things being said and being discussed about bishop in this church body. But they could not help but acknowledge the authority, the revelation and the anointing that was coming forward from our bishop. Now, the word that the Lord gave Bishop was not an easy thing for him to minister. Because he knew that there was going to be some things immediately that people are going to have a problem with. But he had to deliver what God gave him. It reminded me of Judas in the Bible. And, and there are things that happen in our lives that it gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what the people that we read about may have experienced. We, we, we don't know. I can't walk in someone else's shoes. I can only walk in mine. But my experience might give me a little taste of what you might be experiencing, so to speak. When Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, Jesus knew beforehand. And he still called him friend. In fact, told him, you know, do what you got to do quickly. And allowed Judas to come and kiss him on the cheek. To signify that he was the one that needed to be taken. I could not have done that. I would have slapped the guy. Or, you know, been passive aggressive and wiped my cheek after, you know, Cause it's like you, you're betraying me, you're greeting me with a kiss, but you're betraying me. You're using this to betray me. I I don't know how the man Christ Jesus was able to do that. It, it was the beginning of the process of his death. And so to see Bishop have to walk into a situation like that, That's, that is not a situation that everybody can handle. Only a, a few people could possibly handle something like that. Because your humanity will want to let them know, I know what you did. And you're wrong, and you still have a problem. And I'm not gonna put you want, you wanna let people know, you wanna put them in their place. But it was not the will of God. And the Lord had to trust the man of God that he would have the right spirit, the right attitude to walk into a situation he did not wanna walk in, to deliver a word that was going to have. Some, what the world would term, inflammatory principles brought up, instructions given. The man of God knew that he had to be completely submitted to the will of God. And our bishop was. I I can't tell you the details. You have to trust me when I say that that was a tough situation to walk into. And so I am so proud. I am proud of you, Bishop. The First Lady. Hannah Jackson, we are proud of you. The armor bearer, the prophetess, Hannah Massey, we are proud of you, this church. We are proud of you for doing the will of God. I do not say this as a daughter. I got some water here. Thank you, Pastor. Gracias, Pastor. I do not say this as a daughter, but you are a great man. You are a great man of God. I look up to you, this church, we look up to you, the ministry, we look up to you. Do not ever stop leading and being who you are in God because we need you in this day and we need you in this age. You may be seated. I thank you, church, for honoring our bishop. I have to tell you that because I think there's going to be some other things that I'm going to hit on in in just a little bit. The Lord told me to slow it down and just take, take my time. When the Jews were taken captive, I'm going to give you some background. And, and you'll, you'll probably have to follow along. It's going to be a lot of information. When the Jews were taken captive, this is at the end of, we're not going to read it. We're going to hop around in Nehemiah. We'll start at Nehemiah chapter 1, Brother Nathan. But back in 2 Kings chapter 25, if you wanted to go back and read it, the history of the people of Israel, they had been split in two. Now, when they were split into two is tribes of 10 versus tribes of two. And in the northern part, they were still called they, they were called Israel, the kingdom of Israel. So you'll read in the Old Testament, it can get confusing. Because you have to sometimes, if you're not giving yourself enough background information, you'll get confused on if the Lord is, or the scriptures are talking about um, the people of Israel as a whole, or the kingdom of Israel at that particular time. And so this is... At a time in Second Kings, uh, chapter 25, where the people of Israel, they had been split for a while, and there was two kingdoms. The upper part, the northern part, was the, um, the kingdom of Israel. The lower part was called the kingdom of Judah. And we know in the scriptures, throughout the course of time, there were a few instances where there was a king that did right in the eyes of the Lord. But for the most part, there was kings that did evil. And so there was evil king after evil king, and and they would suffer consequences. The people would suffer consequences for turning against their God. They knew that they were only to serve one God. They had covenanted to serve that one God and him only. But but in the course of time, they served other gods, and they started doing things that um, were violating their covenant with the Lord at the very beginning. It gets to a point where the Lord's like, this is enough. Now, the temple that was built at that time was the temple that Solomon had erected. This was the first temple outside of the tents of the tabernacle. This was the physical building. So, let me make sure I'm getting this correct. Yes. So, yeah, the uh, Solomon had built this temple. This is a temple that was built at the time, and the Lord said, "You know, this is enough." And the scripture gives us information. We're going to talk about um, the kingdom of Judah. Okay, so uh, they're they're going to be destroyed. This is the context that we're talking about right here. And this is what happens. It's, it's the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. He comes, and he's there's also the army of the Chaldees, and they take Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city in Judah. This is where uh, the temple was built. Now, they come in against God's chosen people, God's chosen people that violated his word. And they are there to take them captive and to destroy them. The Lord allows this to happen. The king at that time, the king of Judah, is Zedekiah. That name probably sounds more familiar to us, but his name was actually Mattaniah, something like that. And his name was changed to King Zedekiah. He was the king of Judah at that time. And he, in the process of King Nebuchadnezzar coming in, the king of Babylon, the army of the Chaldees coming in and destroying everything, this king of Judah is killed. And Nebuchadnezzar just, and the army of the Chaldees just, they wreak havoc on everything. They destroy everything. The scriptures tell us that he burnt the house of the Lord. He burnt the king's house. He destroyed the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed every great man's house. And there is a wall that was up. And the scripture says that they also broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Now remember, King Solomon's temple was in Jerusalem. They destroyed the walls of Jerusalem. They destroyed everything. They destroyed the house of the Lord, the king's house, the houses that were there. And they took the people of Judah, the Israelites, they took them captive. Now, there was some that remained from that captivity. There was a remnant that was left. The scripture says that they were in great affliction and reproach. They were suffering. The ones that were left were suffering so much. They had destruction to deal with. The capital city, it was broken down. Jerusalem was broken down. And we pick up in the book of Nehemiah where the scriptures tell us I'm just paraphrasing, summarizing a lot of this. That Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He served the king. I don't. I cannot pronounce his name. Aterz, Aterzax, Artaxerxes. A r t a x e r x e s. I heard the pronunciation, but I cannot remember it. So, in Nehemiah chapter two, verse one, it says. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Adderzaxes, the king, that wine was before him. This is Nehemiah speaking. And I took up the wine, who took up the wine, it was Nehemiah, and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. So he was a cupbearer. He served the king of whom he was taken captive of. His people had been taken captive. And the scripture says that word had come before this. The word had come from some of his brethren that were of the remnant, the remnant that was taken captive. Word had come from them about the suffering, the great affliction, the the reproach that was left in Jerusalem. So he's, he's sad about this. And he's serving the king, this Persian king. And the scripture says that and we just read it in in Nehemiah chapter two, that the king noted his countenance. It was sad, but it wasn't because of sickness. It was there was an issue of the heart. The king picked up on that, and so he asked him, you know, hey, what is what is what is wrong? And so Nehemiah begins to explain, like. My forefathers, our, our land, my home is destroyed. My people that are there, they're suffering. The people that are left are suffering. If you know even now, there's conflict over the land in the Middle East. So it meant everything to them. So of course, Nehemiah is distraught. And so he explains this. And with the boldness of the Lord, but with wisdom, he begins to ask for permission. He asks for permission if he's found favor in the sight of this Persian king, if he could return to Judah, return to his land, his homeland, to rebuild it. And this king grants him permission and doesn't just grant him permission, but equips him with. With letters of authority and directions for people to give him the material to help begin to rebuild the land of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, Jerusalem. Now, if we go to Second Kings, Second, uh, I'm sorry, Nehemiah chapter two, verse ten. I don't know where these kings are coming in. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 10 we pick up where he has he's traveling Nehemiah is traveling and he's got some of the king's authority with him that he's been provided and he's got the king's letters and so he's crossing over and he's providing these letters of authority um, that have granted him permission to return back to rebuild. Verse 10 says, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. You've probably heard in the course, of, if you've been coming to this church you've or you've been listening in, we've referenced this stuff. Um, ministers have referenced these names. Sanballat, Tobiah, they were not for the rebuilding of Judah. They were not for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Scripture says it grieved them. In fact, it scared them. They were fearful that there was this man coming to inquire. He desired, he had requested, and he had obtained permission. To look out for, to evaluate, and assess the welfare of the children of Israel. That man was Nehemiah. And I'm telling you in the context of this message. That the Lord has told me that our bishop is Nehemiah. He is a man that is seeking the welfare, the prosperity, the good of the children of God. Not just in this church. Not just in the regions that the Lord has given us. But this is a man that for the whole of the children of God, he is seeking their welfare. I remember when Sister Massey, the prophetess, she had made mention of a, a man that we reference. Bishop has referenced him before. And he's, we've talked about it. And um, the comment has been made. And I firmly believe this. And it, I heard another pastor say this about the same man. He is a voice to this generation. That man is not meant to just be a pastor. And it's not his time to go anytime soon because he is a voice to this generation. I remember the prophetess saying, yet we've heard this about this man and we would agree. Our bishop has said this about this man, but our bishop is a voice to this generation. He is a voice. The Lord has called him out. The Lord has chosen him to be a voice in this generation. And I believe on Friday, there was some enemies that were made aware that this voice will not be shut up. They will not be able to put up a wall and hinder. They are not going to be able to destroy the voice that the Lord has given our bishop to this generation. Something has changed in the atmosphere. And now the Lord is bringing our bishop to the forefront. I there is no doubt in my mind. We're going to start getting if we haven't already, which we have, received some views from people tuning in. We are fixing to get them from some big dogs that this world this culture this this UPCI culture considers to have authority because they are trying to figure out how did God choose him to be a voice why are the people listening to him why are the Nehemiah in verse 11. This is Nehemiah speaking. He said, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. I'm going to paraphrase some of this. I'm going to skip down. But I'm tracking through Nehemiah chapter 2, 11 on down. This man begins to to go out and to look at Jerusalem. Scripture says in verse 13, And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well into the dung port, and viewed the walls, the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. He went out by night. And he began to look. He looked at the walls that were destroyed, the gates that were destroyed. Night, when you break that down, it can mean night, but it also figuratively means adversity. Bishop, you've gone through adversity. But through that adversity, through that night, you have seen the destruction of the walls of God's kingdom, how they have been broken down. You've seen it. And the Lord put it in your heart to repair the walls, these are walls of protection. They had been broken down. There was breaches in the walls. The gates, the openings, the doors to enter into beyond the wall. They had been destroyed. I asked the Lord, what were the walls? These walls of protection. The Lord told me that the walls are apostolic, Structure and authority. We must have God's structure and authority. You must have a man of God. You must have a pastor. Pastors that are listening in, you must have a pastor. Now you might be wondering who his pastor. That's not our problem. Because you could also look at the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. The Lord would send men to him with a word. There are only a few men where the Lord will say, you're accountable to me. And you'll know which voice to heed when I send correction or I send direction or I send instruction. But for the most part... Not many can walk in his shoes. And so the Lord has ordained for them to be up under a bishop. This is why God sent that word through the handmaiden this morning. And then the bishop came up and began to speak to the shepherds. If we go to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33 and 30. I think I'm going to hit a couple of things, and then we're going to we're going to stop. Ezekiel chapter thirty three thirty. I want to warn the shepherds that are tuning in the shepherds that are that have said that they are submitted to to bishop and we know Ezekiel is speaking here Ezekiel chapter 33 and 30 we're going to read down to verse 33 if you go back actually if you don't mind to verse 29 thank you brother Nathan Scripture says, then shall they know that I am the Lord. When? When I have laid the land most desolate because of all their abominations which they have committed. Children of Israel, they weren't doing right in the eyes of the Lord. Men of God weren't doing right. Leading their people. And so there are some things that the Lord had to allow to come in to desolate the land because of their abominations. Verse 30, also, now God is using Ezekiel. He's a voice. Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another. Everyone to his brother saying, come, I pray you and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. So it almost sounds like they're talking good of Ezekiel. Verse 31. And they come unto thee as the people cometh. They're coming like everybody else. And they sit before thee as my people. And they hear. Thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. They're saying a lot of things that they don't mean, but they want to appear like everybody else. Men of God, the shepherds, the pastors, you just you need to be very careful of who you are listening to. Do not join up with someone else that is gonna go against the man of God of this congregation. If you have submitted yourself to the man of God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And You cannot allow the promises of the enemy, of growth, richness, prosperity in your church to become everything that you are striving after. You can't go after your own covetousness. You might need to slow down. If the man of God, of this congregation, has given you a word, slow it down. You cannot let your will override the will of God. Verse 32. And lo, Ezekiel, thou art unto them as a very lovely song. Of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. You sound so good. And when I'm in your presence and when I tune in and when I look at the, the, the YouTube video after the service, you sound so good, Bishop. The word you're preaching is amazing. It talked to me. But the scripture says, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, when the Lord's words come to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. I pray that that church that Bishop spoke at. And Bishop said this word to them. And God gave this to me last night. I cannot tell you that the wonder of God surpasses all of our understanding. Because here I am trying to hear the voice of God for today. And the Lord through the scriptures, brought back things that were said Friday night. The Lord was confirming even after the fact that a prophet had been in their midst. The Lord uses our bishop in all of the gifts. And I pray that everyone who is saying that they are submitted, whether they are here physically or whether they are remote, that they mean what they say. You've got to do what the man of God is telling you to do. It cannot be in your ears a tickling brass in symbol This is... You've got to shut up the other voices that are trying to speak to you. (laughs) Ezekiel chapter thirty four. Bear with me. We are going to go a little bit longer and then I will shut it down. I think there are some points that I have to make. Church, we are in a place where the ministry of this church is not just for this church, it's going beyond these walls. It's for us, but it's not just for us. Yes, sir. This is for the kingdom. In Israel chapter 30, oh, Israel chapter Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm starting to put my own words in here. <laughs> the Ruth Jackson version. Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came unto the man of God. Ezekiel speaking again. This is the word that the Lord gave him, verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel, that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Where has it happened that now churches are being started not for the sake? of the people that are hungry. Not for the sake of the people that need salvation. Not for the sake of the people that need healing. But churches are being started because men want to feed themselves. What has happened? It is a tragedy that we are building work after work so that we can say we have this and we have that and we've forgotten the flocks. Well, be to you shepherds that profess this truth and you feed yourself. Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. You want to build your own kingdom. You want to have this, and you want to have that. And you want to go amongst the people and say, I've got this position, and my church is doing this, and we've got this program. But you've left off from feeding and tending to your flock. This is what the shepherds are supposed to be doing in verse 4. The disease have ye not strengthened. Neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. Neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. The shepherds are supposed to strengthen the body. The shepherds are supposed to bring healing to those that are sick. They are supposed to help heal those that have been broken. They're supposed to go after those that have been driven away. They are supposed to find those that have been lost. The scripture says, But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. Instead, for their own gain, they put burdens on the people that they're not supposed to carry. They treat them cruelly. I need you to serve here. I need you to serve there. Give up your time. Give up your effort to build my kingdom. Verse 5, and they were scattered. The flocks are scattered because there is no shepherd. And what happened when the flocks were scattered? They became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. And this is what has happened in churches that profess the truth. You see people that used to live for God, they don't live for God anymore. And it's so many, they've become meat to the beasts of the field. They've become meat, their prey, easy prey for the enemy to grab a hold of and to entice and, and to hunt down because they have no true shepherd Scripture goes on to say how the flock is scattered. And Ezekiel says that there's none that searched for them or sought after them. Verse 10 Thus saith the Lord God Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. I believe we are, and it's been said before, we are getting whole congregations that are going to be attached to this church because the Lord says, I'm against their shepherd because they've left them to the wolves. They've left them to the beasts of the field, and I will not have my hungry searching, and so I will send I will give them direction and I will pull them in I will engraft them to this mother church at 350 Utopia Lane we are not just living for God for ourselves but we are living for God for the hungry that he's drawing the shepherds They will feed themselves no more. He's going to deliver their flock. But there is a man that has gone to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. The scripture says we're going to end here. If you go back to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2 <clears throat> verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 12. We're going to read a little bit more, and then we're going to stop. So Nehemiah's there. Remember, he's got the letters of authority. The king has sent him with men, sent him equipped, showing that he has permission to go back and to rebuild. He arose in the night. Verse 12, I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I. Any man, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. The Lord put some things in our bishop's heart to do. It's not necessarily coming from you, bishop, but God put it in your heart to do. And there are some things you cannot tell anybody Until the Lord releases you, Nehemiah said, I didn't tell any man what my God had put in my heart to do. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. Verse 13. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, we read the scripture. He saw... um, These walls, these breaches of Jerusalem that were broken down, the gates that were consumed by fire. Verse 14, then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. He's traveling and he's just looking at all this destruction. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. 17. Then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And when I asked the Lord what exactly did... What what did Jerusalem represent? And in in the context of the message, believe the Lord told me that Jerusalem is representative of God's kingdom. And so we have the walls that are destroyed that represent apostolic authority and structure. And this encloses God's kingdom. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And he's telling them, you see this. You see what has happened. And he's instructing them, come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a repro- reproach. He had to give a directive. Now is the time to rebuild. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. There has been a period of time where the bishop did not have people that he could um, pour himself into and, and speak to and be honest with. And now the Lord has given him that Of which he can pour himself into. It's not just the church. But it's the pastoral staff. It is the Joshua team. It is Reverend Massey. It is Sister Massey. It is the handmaiden. It is the people that the Lord has put into place and position here. Whatever you are doing it is not for naught. The Lord has put you into place where the man of God can say. This is what thus saith the Lord and we are going to rebuild we are going to rebuild we are going to rebuild (laughs) nehemiah told them of the hand of his god it was good upon him i'm paraphrasing verse 18 as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me and they said Who said the people he's talking to? Church, we are telling the bishop, let us rise up and build. We are behind you, bishop. We are behind you, pastoral staff. We are behind you. Let us build. They strengthened their hands for this good work. This is what we have done. 19 and 20. But when Sanballat the Heronite and Tobiah the servant, the enemies, the adversaries of the man of God, the people of God that are trying to rebuild. And Geshem the Arabian heard it. They laughed us to scorn. They began to mock They were making fun. They began to deride and despised. Scripture says they despised us. They had contempt for us. For them. For us. And said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? What are you doing over there? 350 Utopia Lane. What are you doing, Bishop Jackson? Who, Who gave you that title, Bishop Jackson? What is that church doing? Who do they think they are? Then answered I them. Nehemiah said and said unto them, the God of heaven The God that is in control, the God that appointed me, the God that ordained me, the God that put this in my heart to do, the God that is leading the people, he will prosper us. We are going to take territory. We are going to override the enemy and we will grow in this place. Nehemiah, we read this at the very beginning, says, therefore, we his servants, we will arise and build. We are going to get up from our places. We are going to get up and get out. from what we've been doing before and we are going to put our hands to the plow and not look back and we are going to go forward and we're going to build. We are going to repair. We are going to re the walls. We are going to build up the temple, the house of God, the way that it should be. But to every naysayer, everyone that wants to try to hinder the work of God, he goes on to say, but you have no portion. You will not have a part in this. You will not inherit what the Lord is fixing to do. You will not have a right. You will not have a memento, a memorial set up because of your Issue your contradiction, your hindrance, your opposition to the work of God. You will see the kingdom of God come to pass, but you will not have a part in it. I've got two points to hit, and we're going to pray. Nehemiah chapter 3. The Lord has told me to stop here. So we will hit these two points and we will stop. They begin to rebuild. Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it. Even unto the tower of Mia they sanctified it. Unto the tower of Hananiel. Now, from what I have researched and what I've seen, the walls, the walls are not just a simple wall that you put up. These were very deep walls. Um, I believe sometimes they could have even rooms in them. They could be doubly fortified. They would have towers. And so they are beginning to rebuild all aspects of the walls of Jerusalem. Verse 2, they start building and then there's there's other Men that join in. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho. And next to them builded Zakur, the son of Imri. The scripture goes on through chapter 3, and it says that they repaired the sons of Haziah built. They laid the beams. Verse 4, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Chaz, he helped to rebuild. In their places, they repaired. They began to rebuild. Verse 8, next unto him repaired Uzziah, the son of Hariah. Verse 9, and next unto them repaired this person. Verse 10, and next unto them repaired Jediah. Verse 11. Malchiah, the son of here they began to join up with other people and they began to rebuild the walls. This is what happened Friday night. We joined with another church and we are instructing them, we are helping them to rebuild. It's going past Argentina but it's going to happen in the states God is going to give us church after church and we are going to help them repair apostolic structure and authority I'm going to say this and we're going to, you can stand. We're going to pray. These are the last days. You just heard the word this morning. There is a great outpouring of revival that's going to happen. The Lord is looking and he's starting to join up people with this church, with this man of God. The reason why is because the walls of apostolic authority and structure have been rebuilt in this church. And God says, Here's my kingdom, it's coming. Because you've repaired some things. This is why we have a bishop. This is why we are emphasizing structure. Because God can only allow his authority when those things are in place. It's a wall of protection. The man of God can be able to look out and can warn the people there's a wolf coming. Don't step outside of the umbrella of his protection. You must have it. Shepherds, you must have it. You must have the covering of the man of God. When Nehemiah began to build and he had traveled, he had some people with him. I had prayed, and I want to be very respectful to Reverend Massey. Sir, you've been on my mind the past few days. And I don't mean any disrespect. It's not just for you, but for your family, but... And I believe that the Lord will allow me to say this because he's required it of me. And he's still requiring stuff. We know this. This is how our God works. But I don't know what all the Lord will have you sacrifice in your personal life. But I know with my job, I've had to make, my job with medicine, I've had to make some decisions. And the Lord may require more of you so that you can go with the bishop he cannot go by himself you have to be there you are a protector for him and I know he could not have done what he did Friday night without your presence there without Sister Massey and Hannah Massey We need you operating in your gifting. Sister Massey, we have to have it. And I am grateful that you obeyed God while you were down there. In the midst of adversity, you could feel it. Amongst the Tobias and the sand ballots, you could feel the adversity you are a protector for the man of God. There are things that you can handle, not just because you're a big guy in the natural, but because in the spirit you are a giant. And the spirits have to try to go through you before they get to him. And he didn't have to deal with some things. It was easier for him to walk in what God called him to say because your presence was there. Sister Massey, I I am grateful for you, not just because you are a prophetess, but because you look after the first lady. You are a protector for her. And I don't know what God is doing in Hannah Massey. But it touched my heart that there were times that she stood up before I did in backing the man of God. This family was sent here to be a strength to the body, but to be a strength to our man of God and our first lady. I believe there are some things that the Lord did not allow you to have so that there could be a flexibility. And I'm not giving Reverend Massey any direction. I'm just telling him that I feel like the Lord is going to require more of us, and I believe that there might be some sacrifices that he will have to make, some decisions that he has to make. And This is not unknown to Reverend Massey. He knows that. But it's going to be to a greater degree, and it's starting now. And so, church, I want us to pray. I want us to pray for our church body. Let us pray for the shepherds that are attached to this church body. Let us pray for our man of God, our first first lady for the prophet the prophetess and their family that the lord would continue to bind us together and equip us to do his work in the name of jesus god let it be done